0: I'm Dr. Rahman, and welcome to Black Women's Health. Okay, let's get going. Welcome to Black Women's Health. I'm Dr. Rahman, and I have the esteemed pleasure of being able to speak with a renowned cardiothoracic surgeon, Dr. Nara Vetla. How are you, doctor?
1: Good morning, Dr. Rahman. How are you? Thank you I'm for right. inviting you to this meeting.
0: Yeah. We're coming together to talk about a very interesting topic, salt. I think I first learned about you when I went to the Peapod Conference in Newark, New Jersey. And Peapod okay. is prevention Um, Plant-Based Prevention of Disease Conference that was held um, about a month, two months ago in Newark, New Jersey.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: And at that time, someone gave me a postcard with your name on it. Okay. And the thing about the postcard that really attracted my attention was there was a quote from the comedian Dave Chappelle. Yes. And the quote said, the number one killer of Black Americans is table salt. Yes. And that's what gave me a pause. And that's what prompted me to find you and to hear about the work that you've been doing.
1: Thank you for seeking me out. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: So if you would, doctor, could you share a little about your medical background and training?
1: So I came to the United States in the mid-70s, and I came with the training of a medical school back in India. So I still haven't lost all my accent, as you can mm-hmm. tell, but uh, quite a bit different than what I came with. So in 76, I came to Brooklyn, New York and trained a general surgeon, a five-year-long program. And then I went on to train cardiothoracic surgery at the University of Cincinnati. And uh, I'm currently practicing in Dayton, Springfield area, uh, cardiac, thoracic, and vascular surgery. Uh, And it's been uh, exactly 40 years plus since I did my first cardiac surgery in private practice. So I've been doing that that long. Um, cardiac and thoracic surgery.
0: So for those of us that may not know, what does a day, a typical day look like for you?
1: Yes, uh, most common surgery we do is uh, coronary artery bypass surgery, cabbage, as we often refer to, is uh, meant for somebody who has blocked arteries of the heart, gets heart attacks or angina, and we build bypasses by opening the chest. Very grotesque operation, if I might say. Um, that's the most common operation I do. And a typical day, I would have done uh, one of those at least. And uh, uh, maybe a vascular case where we build a bypass in the leg or clean up the artery in the neck. Or a carotid endoterectomy, we clean up the artery that's blocked in the neck that causes strokes. And someday, I'm, and and uh, possibly do a lung resection for somebody with lung cancer. So those are the variety of... Uh, so I'm an old-timer surgeon, as you can tell. And we do a a large breadth of different procedures as we are trained, compared to some of the newer ones who are much more focused on one area or the other.
0: Okay. Um, That sounds very, very impressive. Um, And along the way, you've also become an author?
1: Yes. Um, That, uh, you know, like I said, I was doing this for 40 plus years. And for the first 25 years, I was um, busy developing my skills and expanding my practice and uh, getting good at what I was doing until a light bulb went off about 15 years ago. And the light bulb went off and I suddenly realized every single thing I'm doing, every single day is totally preventable. Mm -hmm. And the most important information I can share with the patient and people in general is not how I can do the surgery, but how to prevent the surgery. So it took me 25 years to get to that point, and uh, along the way, um, I stumbled upon, literally, serendipitous, that uh, the most widely ignored cause of our health problems, specifically heart disease, is stable salt.
0: Now, and I have to stop you because that sounds like an exaggeration.
1: It does, right? Right off the bat? That's why it, That's why I embarked on this mission to make this uh, a day-to-day knowledge. So our mission, Salt Kills, is what we started about 15 years ago, is to raise awareness of the dangers of, the table, of table salt, specifically to your point, because most people don't realize it, most widely ignored cause of health problems. Uh, That is the intent of our mission, and that's how we became an author, not to write another uh, um, uh, paper based on Yale, Harvard, or anything like that, but to explain the research from premier institutions like Yale, Harvard, and, and so on and so forth, as well as many healthcare agencies, including CDC, WHO, American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology, and so on and so forth. What are they saying, and why we are not listening? So the my authorship is simplifying that information
0: mm-hmm.
1: using illustrations, using analogies uh, so that you see it happening to you. And that's how I became an author.
0: So you're saying table salt leads to heart disease. Yes. How does that happen?
1: So high blood pressure, first of all, stepping back a little bit high blood pressure is the number one health problem in the world number one, 1. 1.2 billion people with hypertension and uh, doctor 1. what
0: is what is how do we define high blood pressure
1: so traditionally we define i have an issue with that as well uh, anything over uh, 120 or 80 120 is the top number 80 is the bottom number systolic diastolic, we define that as high blood pressure. Anything oh, over that.
0: Let me let me huh? stop you because we've heard different numbers. Initially we were hearing 140 over 90. Then so 140 130 over, over 80.
1: So and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm
0: hearing you say 120 over what's that 70? 80, 80. 80, 120 over 80.
1: Yes. So American Heart Association, American Cardiology uh, have seated what is called joint national conferences several times. We are in JNC JNC 8 right now. That's how many times they met to define what high blood pressure is, what the numbers are. The most recent definition is anything over 120 uh, by 80 is hypertension. And anything over 140 or 90 needs to be treated pharmaceutically.
0: So, you have
1: know, between 120, uh, a top number to 140, and the bottom number 80 to 90, little flex where you have to aggressively change your lifestyle to bring it back to 120 or 80.
0: So, doctor, what do those two numbers represent?
1: The systolic blood pressure, when the heart pumps, is the top number, when the heart actually squeezes. And the one the heart relaxes is the bottom number, diastolic. Systole is when the heart squeezes. That's when the heart relaxes. So top number and bottom.
0: So I would think if my blood pressure was high, that means that my heart is strong because it can pump.
1: Yes, so um, very interesting that you pointed out. That is where the danger lies of high blood pressure. And uh, going back to the numbers real quick, 1.2 billion people with high blood pressure over 100 million Americans with high blood pressure and over 60 to 70, depending on who you look at, nearly 70% of black Americans have high blood pressure, a kind of high blood pressure that is described in many different ways, um, more aggressive high blood pressure. Uh, If you are a a gynecologist, you know cancers of different aggressiveness. Um, So there are Uh, not so aggressive versus poorly differentiated, well-differentiated like that. The Black American high blood pressure is the most aggressive variety of high blood pressure that we know of. Anyway, going back to your question, um, 120 over 80 or below is normal. 120 and above is high blood pressure. We have to take account of that. And And if you think your heart is pumping, your pressure is high, your heart is working better, is exactly the opposite of what really happens. The pressure is high, it is exerting resistance against pumping of the heart. In fact, if the blood pressure is high, that means heart has to pump harder. If the pressure is high, the heart has to pump harder to get the blood through. So that is actually defines what high blood pressure is. High blood pressure is a condition where the heart is pumping. every second, asleep, walking, whatever you're pumping, the arteries are receiving the blood. When the heart pumps, the artery is supposed to relax to receive the blood each time, each and every time. So there's a coordinated movement between the heart and the blood vessels. Every time the heart pumps, Mm
0: -hmm. the artery
1: relaxes a little bit. Mm -hmm. Heart pumps, heart relaxes. I repeat this all the time to get the rhythm of it. You're going like it dances with the stars. You move forwards, you move backwards. The partner moves backwards. The partner moves forwards, you move backwards. It's a synchronous, divine, you know, whatever you want to call it, fantastic moment that happens constantly in our body. But high blood pressure means the heart is pumping, the artery says, I can't relax enough. I'm pumping, the heart, the artery says, My relaxation can do as much as I'm supposed to. The arteries offering resistance against the pumping action of the heart. So, when the blood pressure goes up, that means you have lost the capacity of your arteries to relax as they're supposed to. When you look at it that way, high blood pressure doesn't look like a simple thing that I can take a pill for. High blood pressure is a deadly, dangerous condition called a silent killer, wherein Your arteries do not relax the way they are intended to.
0: And so that means that the heart has to pump
1: harder Harder. to get the blood through. Through. So this is a instead of a divine dance, you created a battle between the heart and the blood pressure, heart and the arteries. Heart and the arteries are fighting with each other. They are fighting with each other. This is a fight. There's no winners. Everybody loses. The heart loses by getting bigger and bigger and thicker and thicker. Enlarged heart. Enlarged heart. Enlarged heart by itself may sound like, oh, I got a big heart. Nothing <laughs> <all like that. laughs> I mean, philosophical is a good thing to have a big heart. But uh, literally, if you have a big heart, in a short order, it's going to fail. Mm. It's kind of a failure that's so common in Black America. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's called a diastolic heart failure, wherein the heart still pumps, but cannot relax enough. Mm. So if you're not relaxed enough, you cannot pump enough as well. So this is diastolic heart failure. And to dramatize this point, how bad it is, a 50-year-old Black man, a 50-year-old Black man, is 20 times, 20 times more likely than a Caucasian to come to the hospital in heart failure.
0: Mm. Okay, let's step back again. Um, what do you mean by saying that Black Americans have aggressive high blood pressure?
1: Yes. So... I am probably closer to Black America as an Indian descent, but I'm not a good example. But let's say I was a Caucasian. So my blood pressure may be 140 or 90 or 160 or 100, something like that. I take one or two pills, one pill. Very soon it will be two pills. Very soon it will be three pills, by the way. That's a different story altogether. Uh, high blood pressure is a disease that is permanent. You become a from a person to a patient. Yeah. It becomes a never-ending Mm-hmm. A line of pills. But so if I take one or two pills, blood pressure comes under control. In black America, the blood pressure right off the bat is much higher. 180 over 100, for example, 180 over 110, which is called type 2 high blood pressure, is eight times more common in black America. The, so the more severe, so 180 in that range, is much more common black America. And doesn't come under control with one or two medications mm. takes higher doses of more medications. So Black America high blood pressure affects at a younger age takes a lot more medication to control. the complications of high blood pressure happen much more frequently. Okay. If you combine all those three, it's we call it a malignant disease
0: a malignant disease yes. Okay, so how does table salt contribute to all of this?
1: Good question. So um, there is traditionally high blood pressure. The causation has been described as table salt is like a sponge, retains water.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you know that by the first line of treatment for high blood pressure and heart failure is a diuretic.
0: Mm-hmm. The, water
1: the water pill. Water, the water yeah. pill. You're trying to get rid of excess water. Why? Because you retained excess water. Why do you retain excess water? Because the salt retains excess water. That is a primary uh, pathology that is described, but it's a lot more complex than that. But for simple understanding, that's the most important pathway. Number two pathway is the arteries have the, uh, the uh, taking salt even one time creates a spasm of the arteries even within 30 minutes, there's a study done next door to you in Philadelphia from Delaware, just healthy volunteers, they give them a salty diet and measure the blood pressure and, and the arms. Within 30 minutes, there's a reduction of approximately 30% elastic capability of the arteries. Elastic capability of the arteries is reduced very quickly. Now, how do you know that? Now, we give water pill, and what else do we give for high blood pressure? So there's a long list of medications, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: different pathways,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. beta blockers, ACE inhibitors, uh, uh, angiotensin receptor blockers, ganglion blockers, calcium channel blockers, there's so many varieties of them. All of them do only one thing. They make the wall of the artery relax, different pathways. So treatment of high blood pressure pharmaceutically consists of reducing the volume, water pill, and relaxing the arteries. So by that, you know that you lost, there are two things went wrong. You're retaining water and your arteries don't relax the way they're supposed to.
0: And so as a result of ingesting salt, the heart works stronger, the arteries don't relax, and this leads to high blood pressure, aggressive high blood pressure, and ultimately heart failure.
1: Yeah, heart failure when the heart is not pumping, uh, not relaxing. That's a kind of a heart failure, which is recognized more and more. By the way, diastolic heart failure, on average, has worse prognosis than cancers.
0: Well, yeah. I said Cardiovascular that right. disease is the number one killer in this country.
1: No, but somebody says you have diastolic heart failure, grade two or three, the outlook is just as bad as having a cancer. Mm. Anyway, I distracted.
0: <laughs> and so the treatment is to reduce the to reduce the high blood pressure and to prevent heart failure.
1: Well, my goal is actually to prevent high blood pressure. We need okay. to look at high blood pressure as a preventable disease. Next comes a the therapeutic level. Next is how do we reduce the blood pressure by natural means, by cutting back salt and doing more exercise, etc. And that's the conference that you and I went to. Yes. Uh, but uh, there's Question. a step before that.
0: Question. Does the salt contribute to any other type of medical problems? I yes, mean, high the, blood pressure and heart disease, that's a big one. Are there any other medical problems associated with um, salt?
1: Yes, there's absolutely there are. There is are, a long list of them, as a matter of fact. Um, so um one of my osteoporosis for example affects most women and unfortunately women have been brainwashed into thinking that eating cheese will prevent osteoporosis and I'm here to tell you cheese is the reason is the reason why you get osteoporosis cheese is the reason why you get osteoporosis why because cheese doesn't come without salt
0: that's right that's a very that's one of the medical complications that you do not hear associated with salt yes high blood pressure heart disease we've all heard it but osteoporosis we tend to think it's a problem of not enough calcium
1: no it's a it's a problem of losing more calcium than you can afford so this is a, one of the problem that is a much very broad based and osteoporosis is not a benign disease as you know it's a it's a very painful condition. It affects very large area population, especially women postmenopausal, You know that. So let me, if you indulge, I'll explain to you why os- eating salt causes osteoporosis. Sure. If you're interested, in a simple way. So uh, when you eat salt, is the job of the kidney to get rid of the excess salt. Kidney's job is to maintain this equilibrium. No matter what you eat, you have to or just by excreting certain things or retaining certain things to maintain a balance. So if you, have, you eat salt more than your kidney's capability to handle, the kidney has to get rid of them. And the kidney gets rid of the salt, unfortunately, by opening a pathway, if you want to call it a door, opens a door for the excess salt to leave. Unfortunately, the same door, calcium also leaves. Mm. So the more salt you eat, more cheese you eat, more calcium you actually lose. So let me illustrate in a very simpler way. Let's say now it is December already, it's getting cold. And uh, let's say you're sitting in at home with a temperature of uh, zero degrees on a winter Saturday morning, and you invited a bunch of your friends, and there's noon noontime, you decided to treat them for lunch, you're in the kitchen, and you're cooking, let's say, fish, okay? and you got into heated argument about something, you forgot that fish was cooking, and they got burned, and the entire kitchen is filled with smoke and fishy smell, right? Just follow along with me. And then what would you do to get rid of that? The fishy smell and smoke. What would you do to get rid of it?
0: Uh, I'm opening the doors. I'm trying to let the smell out.
1: Right, you're opening the door or the window?
0: Windows, Yes. yes.
1: Yes, I, ju- I just got through telling you that outside temperature is zero degrees. So what happens when you open the door or um, the window?
0: The cold air will come in.
1: Right. So your intention of opening the door was to lose the excess, the smoke and and fishy smell. But unfortunately, through the same door, your heating system also goes away. And unless you close the door, you can crank up your thermostat as high as you want or the fat under fan as high as you want, the room remains cold. In the same way, um, when you keep eating salty things, the kidney trying to dispense this excess salt, will open a door, so to speak, through which calcium loses, is gone. So you're walking around with a hole in your pocket and you're putting chain, change into it, coins into it, and you're left with nothing. Mm-hmm. you got to close the hole.
0: So it's interesting, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking that with various diseases, we have different um, personas associated with varying diseases. And osteoporosis is not one of the diseases that we often associate with black women. When we think osteoporosis, we think thin, frail white woman, which is a very interesting, divergence from what you're saying also uh, uh no, it's it clear
1: uh, unfortunately not my opinion it is uh, documented well in the in oh the yeah of-
0: I, i'm not questioning that i'm just i'm just thinking that we don't associate yeah. certain medical conditions right. with certain groups of people and All therefore right. we would never consider yes it, it's to be on a the, problem because money. we think of thin white frail white woman osteoporosis. We don't necessarily think that a black woman might be at a comparable or maybe even a greater risk.
1: Yes, she's because
0: a of, a... of salt intake. Yes, um, and then you also mentioned clearly salt is related to renal disease.
1: Yes. And renal so
0: failure is a huge problem.
1: In Black America, especially Black. So I wrote this book. I don't know if you can see this. Mm-hmm.
0: Salt, Black America's Silent Killer. Yes.
1: Yes. So this is my second book. And the first book, uh, you know, is Salt Kills. Very simple. So anyway, in that second book, I wrote about the exact questions that you raised. Osteoporosis and dialysis in Black America.
0: So there were two other things. I didn't mean to cut you off, doctor. No, no, go ahead. There please. were two other things I think you mentioned in, in your book, and I wish you would touch on it. Yes. One is the incidence of stomach cancer
1: Yes,
0: as a result of salt. Yes. And the other is asthma.
1: Yes. Uh, so I can go in whichever order. First of all, asthma. Um, just, just so we talked about salt like as like the sponge and retains water. So a study done from Indiana University has shown that asthmatic attacks, it may not actually cause asthma itself. There is some data now arising showing that salt affects your autoimmune system. Uh, But in acute setting, the likelihood of you suffering an asthmatic attack, asthmatic attacks are still deadly, especially in Black America. The likelihood of getting an asthmatic attack goes up in proportion to your salt intake. Now, why is
0: that? Can you explain the the path of... The
1: more salt you consume, more likely you have an acute asthmatic attack. In the same way, water retention, the breathing passages get swollen, and uh, breathing passages get choked, and you have asthmatic attack. So that is the pathway, retention of water and in a a direct proportion to the amount of salt you eat. More salt you eat, more likely, if you already have asthma, let us say, the chances of you having asthmatic attack, acute asthmatic attack, go up in relation to, in proportion to salt intake.
0: That's very interesting. I don't think I've ever read about that association. I'm not questioning you. I'm just saying (laughs) I'm just saying, I don't think I've ever seen that association before.
1: So going to stomach cancer, there are 34, 30, 30 plus populations in the world. Um, stomach cancer is the number one killer. Uh, number one cancer killer, I should say. And uh, very common. So they eat very salty food. And more the more salt you uh, eat, the pH and the H. pylori, which is responsible for precancerous condition, it thrives. H. pylori is a bacteria that we thought was incidental. Now we find out it is the one that causes ulcers and cancers down the road. Um, it likes to; it thrives in salty environment. More salty, more they multiply. And by the way, incidentally, uh, more recent uh, data with the autoimmune diseases and resistance infections. Salt also promotes urinary tract infection. That's something used a lot. Um, UTI. So the bacteria like to thrive in salty environment. And bacteria also, the salty environment also, the uh, lymphatic cells that are defense cells that fight infections also don't grow as well. So it's a double whammy. The bacteria like to grow The defense mechanism is going the other way.
0: Okay. I I, I get the picture. Salt is not good. But (laughs) question for you. Question. Don't we need salt?
1: Yes. No. Yes and no. no? (laughs) We need sodium. We need sodium. And we need very little bit of it. Uh, And we cannot eat food without sodium. Anything that you eat, virtually anything that you eat has sodium in it. And we need that sodium. We don't need the salt to meet our sodium requirements.
0: So now you're confusing me. What's the difference between sodium and
1: salt? Salt is sodium chloride that comes in a can and a salt shaker and all that.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That is sodium chloride.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: sodium that is, let's say you eat almonds, there is some sodium in there. That sodium is not sodium chloride. Uh, let's say you eat some cereal, there's some sodium in that. That sodium is not sodium chloride. The sodium requirement for human beings is very small. American Heart Association says there is no requirement of sodium for uh, salt to meet sodium requirements for human beings. American Heart Association says Stay under fifteen hundred milligrams is a speed limit. Like don't exceed limit. People confuse saying that I need fifteen hundred milligrams or two thousand milligrams, whatever number that is. No organization has said you need two thousand milligrams or twenty-three hundred milligrams or fifteen hundred milligrams, depending on the organization. Oh, now stopped.
0: I'm really confused. Let's let's yes. let's stop because when you look on the labeling of food. Yes. There's a nutritional um, description of the food which tells you how much of your daily, the percentage of the daily allowance that you're getting. And it has sodium.
1: Right. And so if
0: there isn't a limit, if you don't need it, why would it be there?
1: I'm against that label. That's a mislabeling. That's a tricking you into thinking that you need sodium. That is not correct. So whereas all other elements that you spoke about, you need, and what percentage of your need is met by that particular food item. When it so comes to So to be clear,
0: you're saying that we do not need a daily minimal allowance of sodium.
1: No, no, salt, salt. Salt. No. So salt. when American Heart Association says 1500 milligrams, let's take that example. American Heart Association is saying, do not stay below 1,500 milligrams. The lower, the better. Zero is the best number. Uh, But you cannot avoid eating sodium. You cannot avoid eating sodium. Anything that you eat, you're going to have sodium.
0: When we're talking about these minimum allowance, we're talking about sodium or sodium chloride.
1: So the labeling is deliberately confusing them by the industry to make you believe some so sodium, some salt that they added is necessary for you, which is incorrect. And they are trying to say that there's a there's a split between the, the when it comes to let's say potassium, and you or some other element, and the recommended daily allowance, RDA, okay, is it says 10, it meets twenty percent of recommended daily allowance. Yes. Okay. When it comes to sodium, it is it is meeting 20% of the limit of how much you're supposed to eat. It's the opposite. So that is very confusing. It It is very
0: confusing because even the maximum allowable differs depending on who you're talking to. I believe the FDA says um, the the maximum allowable is 2,300 milligrams. But they say that people, in general, eat more than that in their daily. Way more
1: than that. Way more than that. Yeah. So the range of uh, limit, I would not say recommended allowance. That's the wrong term to use. Mm -hmm. The range of limit that has been stated, the most liberal number is 2,300 milligrams, that is said. Right. most conservative number is 1,500 milligrams by American Heart Association. So all other organizations fall in between that. Okay. Right. And
0: the um, reality uh, the, is
1: that we're eating a lot more oh, than, than. maximum. It is very important to emphasize that this is not an you need this number. It is a number that you do not exceed. This is, don't exceed this number. Whereas all of the numbers that you come across in with regards to nutrition, are you need that number, try to meet that number. Okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's exactly the opposite. You want to try to meet your uh, vitamin C requirement. You want to try to meet the vitamin b twelve requirement. You <laughs> want to try to meet the folate requirement.
0: But not you the sodium.
1: Mean here, opposite. So I have a serious problem with this labeling.
0: Okay. Uh... Very
1: serious. You should too. And black mRNA should rise and oppose this. Because now, the worst... what's
0: interesting is that even though these numbers fluctuate, it's mm-hmm. even hard to wrap your mind around, well, what is, how much is 23... 100 milligrams of salt. And that's like the equivalent of a teaspoon.
1: That's That's, already too much. (laughs) I mean, mean, if
0: if you think of it that way, Mm -hmm. people can start to appreciate um, when they're seasoning their food, Mm -hmm. when they're at their table adding salt, they can get a sense of, how much sodium they're actually ingesting compared to yeah. what's being recommended.
1: Um, Not like allowed, allowed. What's allowed?
0: What, what is allowed? I like to
1: use the word allowed.
0: Okay. All right. Recommended for
1: other things. That way we are separating two things. With regard to salt, we are going to use the word allowed.
0: Gotcha. All right. regard, In okay.
1: regards to B12, for example, recommended. You need that much.
0: So back to the question is, could we get the sodium that we needed
1: mm-hmm.
0: without adding salt at absolutely, all? Absolutely,
1: absolutely, absolutely. There are rare exceptions, like you have a salt losing nephropathy or some other disease that makes you lose excess salt, which is an extremely small minority of people. Vast majority of the people on this globe do not need to add sodium chloride that's stable salt to meet their salt to meet their sodium requirement at all. This is a statement by American Heart Association, not me. I'm just trying to to let it be known.
0: (laughs) All right, so this becomes very interesting. We don't need sodium chloride added to our food at all to get enough sodium. So the question is, why is salt being added to our food?
1: To make you eat more.
0: To make For you reason. Explain that, please.
1: So, um, you, you eat potato chips or peanuts, unsalted, you eat a certain amount, you're full. You can't eat more than that. Um, but when I salt them, potato chips, you don't stop eating. You just keep on going. It takes away your stop sign in the brain that says you had enough. Uh, salted peanuts, you just keep on eating. The portion size keeps on growing. The reason uh, the processing industry doesn't care about this is they want to sell more product. As simple as that.
0: Yeah, it gets gets worse and worse the more you learn about it, because we know that most of our sodium chloride, which we don't need, comes from Fast foods, packaged foods, ultra processed
1: foods. 100%. 80% of the excess salt we are consuming comes from things that we just mentioned. Only 15, 20% are you yourself adding during preparation. So
0: even if I was trying to reduce my sodium chloride intake, as Mm -hmm. long as I'm eating packaged foods and processed foods, I am probably. Long yes. to get too much sodium chloride.
1: Correct. Unless the processing industry changes. For example, processing industry managed to convince people that um, sugar is bad, so you should eat low-calorie food. Okay? So they, the reason why they did that, because they're another product ready. They, they need Thousands of low-calorie products, they already ready. They wanted to create a market for that. So they advertise against themselves. On the front door they sell, Full-blooded uh, uh, whatever product, and the back door they sell low calorie product. Okay, they're creating they double their margin. Okay, so but they don't have they don't want to say we have a low sell product because that will reduce their sales, and they don't have an alternative. So processing industry fighting to the nail against any legislation. To we are way behind many countries. If you go to Canada, for example. There is regulations on how much salt you can put in cheese. You can buy those salt cheeses. 100 plus countries in the world have regulations on how much salt you can put in bread.
0: Hmm.
1: In America, we have nothing. It's a free for all.
0: That's very interesting because I think the FDA has encouraged mm-hmm. the food industry to reduce the sodium that they put in their packaged foods. They're Mm -hmm. not making it mandatory. They've just asked them to politely to reduce the sodium. And they are going to observe Mm -hmm. the changes that are made.
1: Nothing. So for every one change they make, they take one one change of of salt they make, they they take two steps to increase the salt. So it's a losing proposition. For example, the sea salt industry, okay? Uh, I don't know if it occurred to you or not, but sea salt is same as salt. And sea salt uh, is 100% same as salt with regards to its damaging effect. And number two, the special elements that are there in the sea salt, first of all, they are minuscule, and that's not how your body gets them anyway, okay? So, but... Oh, Everybody's brainwashed into you're, you're thinking
0: tearing down all of my illusions here. <laughs>
1: well, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> so this is a subliminal, subliminal propaganda by processing industry to make you believe sea salt is good for you without actually using this word. Just think think how clever it is. Anybody you ask, is sea salt good for? You? Oh yeah, Himalayan salt is good or Celtic salt is good. Where did you hear that? I heard somewhere. Did you read somewhere it's good for you? No, I did. You have access to information at fingertip. Did you ever bother to check? Did you check PubMed or NIH or any uh, Medical Clinic, Clinic, John Hopkins? Anybody of authority to say email and salt is bad, better than sea salt, regular salt for you? Email salt is good for you or any sea salt good for you? No. Not a single medical agency has ever said sea salt is good for you. <laughs> but if the 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 propaganda is very subtle if you go to a grocery store you see these things now made with sea salt that is the name of the that's the name of the campaign by the way now made with sea salt they brainwashed 300 million people into thinking sea salt is good for you
0: well now there's another alternative it's called low salt it's potassium it's
1: potassium chloride.
0: salt what are your thoughts about potassium
1: chloride i am a little cautious about it um, Why I, I, endorse it? It. I would rather you eat Mrs. Dash as a salt substitute. I would endorse that one. But more importantly, use lime and lemon, use ginger, garlic, use unsalted vinegar, use uh, cilantro, use many other herbs to fill in for the loss of the salt. And potassium salt by itself, you know, there's some back and forth about it. But I'm not here to substitute one bad thing to another. Maybe bad thing too. Okay, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure about. It. There is some data to support. Yes, uh, potassium salt may be okay, but I'm not here to endorse that. No. First of all, potassium salt tastes terrible. If you if you don't if you like potassium salt anyway, you might as well try Mrs. Dash, which is much healthier. Yeah. Um.
0: And and the problem with potassium chloride is. Mm-hmm. Potassium for those that have kidney disease or renal yeah. failure, yeah. these are persons that may not um right. it may not be advantageous for them to use right. potassium. I'd
1: rather you eat fruits and nuts which are high in potassium and dates, and those are high in potassium, and they would reduce your blood pressure naturally, actually, instead of using a potassium salt.
0: So can a person unlearn their desire for salt yes how did they do that
1: philadelphia produced this uh, research philadelphia and i wrote about it in my blogs under the title calling all mothers and grandmothers calling all mothers and grandmothers so that's one of the earliest blogs i wrote based on the research from philadelphia so it turns out that grandmothers and uh, and and um and aunties, aunts, whatever you call, these are the ones who re- are responsible for creating the salty taste in our in our mouth. If a child is raised without salty taste, he's not going to crave salty taste. They did this experiment in Philadelphia. they yes. a say created. Please
0: taste. don't blame the mothers for this. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but not knowingly, obviously. But, but uh, uh, you know, out of love, grandmothers and mothers express love to the children through this.
0: So you're saying babies don't come out craving salt. No. It's a learned, it's an acquired taste.
1: So one of the Indian uh, Bollywood superstars uh, just now came up with a, he wears this on his face. My baby is not asking for salt. You're the one asking for salt. You're the one making them eat salt. Babies never ask for salt. You're the one giving them salt and creating this taste. Uh But it can be unlearned. Can be that's a that's a good thing about it it's not like smoking that you're addicted you cannot get over it okay um so it takes as little as a weekend some people make two weeks some people make three months but on average an average is not that difficult to unlearn the salty taste to so a point, you're
0: saying in a couple of weeks a person can learn not to crave yes. the salty taste
1: Yes, to a point. So we are salt free in our house for 15 years now. Wow. No salt in our house. Okay. And we just made a, a 10 course Thanksgiving meal. No salt. Okay. So, but if somebody gave something salty, you know, out of uh, courtesy, I might take a nibble a little bit of it, so like birthday cake, whatever. I might take a little bit of it. So, my wife, if somebody gives him uh, something salty, she'll instantly, reflexly, she'll spit it out. Mm. So I'll tell you a story, again connected to Philadelphia. My younger brother used to live outside Philadelphia, okay, and he came. To, I'm in Ohio, so a few years before COVID, he came to visit me with his two little kids, five and seven, for a long weekend. And uh, my wife initially was making two preparations: one for us, one for them, because you know we don't we don't know whether they like it or not. By next day or so. They're starting to eat our our food. So she didn't have to make mm. two separate preparation. Okay. Mm. So they spent a long weekend. So my brother called me with this story. And he drove them back to Philadelphia. Uh, on the way to Philadelphia, uh, he thought his youngest son was deprived of his favorite foods. Okay. So he decided to go into a drive through or whatever. Uh, and bought him his favorite sandwich. Okay. The one he always orders. So this little boy, five year old, took one bite of this of that sandwich. He says, "Oh my God, it's so salty!" and spit it out. Okay. okay. Within three days.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, and that's consistent with that. The most recent study that I saw that gave um, a group of middle-aged persons a high sodium diet and a low sodium diet. And these groups of people were those that had normal blood pressure, high blood pressure, uncontrolled blood, pr- blood pressure, undiagnosed high blood pressure. All of them were given a low sodium diet and all of them showed a drop yes. in their blood pressure. Yes. Even those that were on medication. Yes saw a drop in their blood pressure, and that was in seven days.
1: Yes, exactly. That's
0: pretty phenomenal.
1: Yes, there are a number of studies like that. Uh, One got published just now from University of Vanderbilt, published uh, by American um, Heart Association, uh, a crossover double-blind control study. This is all technical terms. But anyway, within four weeks, the drop in blood pressure in the low-salt arm was so much that they could cut off one medication. Right, in four weeks. So think about how profound that would be if all of us did that. Uh, so, so there's hope. There's there's yeah. So we need to we need people like you to join uh, this mission. It's really very important. I'm I and I'm very much interested in Black America rising up. One thing the Black America needs to rise up. I mean there are so many political, social, so many other things that are going on. I, you know, I, I was a member, I'm, I'm a life member of NWCP, by the way, and I served as health chair of um, state of Ohio, NWCP. And I learned a lot of things that are affecting black American, no doubt about it. But the biggest fight really is fighting this processing industry and restaurant industry, stop killing us. Not that they don't know, they already know. They're they They got blood in their hands. There's no other way to put it. Yeah, it's, uh,
0: yes, yes. When I
1: see a 30-year-old, 25-year-old black woman on dialysis, somebody's got blood in their hands. Mm. So you kind of barely touched on that subject. One third of all people in, on dialysis in America are black Americans. Yes. Mm-hmm. And many young ones. And many of you should, should, should supposed to be taking care of the little children. And you, as an OBGYN, you would know, um, you know, there's not enough opinion, perinatal care and whatever. And the blood pressure shoots up and the kidneys never recover. They end up in dialysis. Tremendous tragedy for the mother and the children.
0: All right. So we need to make people aware, which is why I so appreciate you yes. taking the time to make people aware because we just I think we don't realize and then there's a food industry that's not being held accountable. Yes. And we have a government that I don't know the FDA, you know, we get these guidelines periodically. Um they they don't seem to be for us. And so we have to assume responsibility. And if it is as simple as cutting back, can you cut back, or do you need to eliminate?
1: Well, cut back is the process to eliminate. Eliminate is our final object, final, you know, the final objective, end goal. But any degree of cutting back has benefits.
0: Absolutely. Uh-huh. So and
1: as a pathway to you realize, oh, I did not need to put that much salt. Then you keep cutting back.
0: You know, there is so much more. We probably need to do a part two, but I promise you (laughs) that this wouldn't go too long, because there's the whole topic of being salt sensitive, being salt resistant, and the whole theory about why are so many Black people salt sensitive, and we could go on. We could, okay, we could go on. So I would like. This book
1: describes that and uh, i would encourage you and your listeners to look at a 2 minute video that we created uh, 2 minute video anybody can spare 2 minutes uh, it's it comes up under google or, or yahoo or, or uh, youtube you use three words salt black america three words salt black america you use three words in search a video pops up with a hand like that and a french price we create the video to explain exactly your questions why black america is salt-sensitive, and what is the consequence of that?
0: Yes, yes. In two minutes. And there's a, there's an interesting debate about that. Um, so I would like to ask you to consider, you don't have to say yes right now, but consider <laughs> potentially coming back and having a continuation of this discussion.
1: Yes, ma'am. I would certainly uh, enjoy, would enjoy doing that. So I didn't get to share any of the data, but I spoke about it. Um, and he, and then you asked extremely pertinent questions and we're going to delve into what happens to the arteries when you have high blood pressure, what happens to the kidneys when you have high blood pressure, what happens to the brain when you have high blood pressure. Uh, so we, we talked about a fight, the heart losing and getting bigger and failing, but what happens to the arteries in that fight? They get damaged. That's how you get heart attacks, strokes, and, and what is the pathway, uh, how that happens. So we described that, uh, and, uh, what, is the, what happens after the heart becomes thick and it fails? What are the, all the things go yes. that go wrong? Yes. Uh, following that is a cascade of events. Yes. One thing leading to another. Yes. Ultimately leading to dementia. 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 Yeah. Uh, ultimately in dementia. So all this pathways we have uh, attempted to describe in simple ways, like the way we've been talking. And uh, that is our project.
0: Okay. Well, doctor, I look forward to having more conversation with you. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you very much. Pleasure meeting, knowing you. And if I come to Philadelphia again, I'll look you up.
0: Please do. Please do. Uh, take care. And take thanks care. again.
1: Thank you. Have a good day.
0: Goodbye. Yeah, I think we could have gone on and on and on. I, yes. I felt like I was starting <laughs> to take up too much of your time. But there is, I mean, it, it's it's like this awful, awful situation that...
1: Tragic. There's no other way to put it. I mean, yeah, people like you, you know who see a good bit of it and experience probably in your own family yeah. um I won't be surprised yeah. uh, have to
0: and people think, there's no there's no harm, and mm-hmm. yes, I can tell them, don't use the salt, but I'm actually looking at the food industry and saying, don't put the salt. You know, and, yeah. and the government like you need to regulate this. You know, yeah.
1: and it's so know. we need uh, at least a two-pronged approach. One, we need basic education. That's what That's we are absolutely uh, basic education. Why number two, we need legislative help, oh, uh, legislative and executive help. Otherwise, the processing industry and restaurant industry are such deep pockets. They're so creative. Yes, and they're so motivated, uh, and they will find a way to. I mean, Seesaw is a prime example. That was such a
0: great example. You know, I said, guilty, guilty Seesaw. Oh, yeah. Yeah, A healthier choice. And I pay for it, you know. (laughs) I pay more for it. So, yeah. All right. right, It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Goodbye.